Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Now, this is a very unique interview today. This is my 489th podcast guest, but I think it's probably the most meaningful. And you're going to see why in just a minute. Today, I am joined by my incredible, amazing, astounding wife, Rebecca Green. Rebecca is a licensed clinical social worker. She has a master's degree. She is a top 100 mommy blogger. She has a vlog, a Wednesday night vlog with over two and a half million video views. She has a podcast about to hit iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. And she is an Amazon bestselling author, in addition to being a very, very busy mother of three children and three fur babies. Rebecca, sweetheart, thank you so much for joining us. I think that you did my um, introduction better than I could have. <laughs> I do have a little bit more practice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me, honey. Super excited. All right. So let's go back in time. What inspired you to become a social worker? I had a strong feeling that you were going to ask me that question. And before we started, I was trying to go back because that was a very, very long time ago. And I think that back in high school, I was always the peacemaker between my friends fighting. And then I noticed, you know, my parents were having some issues and they went to a social worker and I saw how much the social worker helped them. So between feeling like a social worker in high school and then seeing the great work that they can do with my own family, I decided that that was the road that I wanted to take. Awesome. So for folks who don't know, what does a social worker do? You know, there are so many different types of social work, so I'm not going to tell you all of them. There's a bunch of different things you can do with a social work master's degree. You can also just get a bachelor's degree in social work, but I did go on to get my master's degree and did my undergraduate in psychology. And what I decided that I wanted to do with my social work degree was I wanted to counsel families. And my passion um, is and was to help married couples have a better marriage and work through marital problems and to help families with their children with parenting issues that they were struggling with. So I personally was counseling families. Awesome. And you did that at Catholic Charities, the multi-systemic therapy program. What is multi-systemic therapy and why is it different? My friend told me about this position 
And when I went and learned about MST, multi-systemic therapy, I was sold because it is evidence-based therapy. And they only, we only worked with families whose children had severe behavior problems. And it was a proven method to get the behaviors eliminated and decre or decreased in the home to make it a more pleasant experience for the whole family. Awesome. So what does, what constitutes a severe behavioral problem? Oh, there's so many. I'm going to give you a few examples of the families that I worked with and it's going to, I don't know what I've told you and what I haven't said, but some of it might, ba might baffle your mind. One of, one of the families that I'm working with, they really hold a special place that I was working with. See, they're still in my heart today. A family with, I believe it was 13 children. In a wow, and we feel overwhelmed with three. In a one-bedroom apartment. Oh, my God. I told you about this family. They were playing with the hose. And I went home and um, just looked around and was just feeling so blessed and, and couldn't get this family out of my mind. But very special family to me. They could not get one of their children to go to school. There were actually a couple families who could not get their kids to go to school. And I will tell you, there were mornings that I was up super early to go to these people's houses to help them with their morning routine, to help support them get their kids to school. And it was, it was really, that was one of the hardest was kids who just really didn't want to go to school. And there's so many factors to why a child doesn't want to go to school. Um, one of which is just knowing that they can get away with it. That's one of the, you know, basic reasons. Um, aggressive, really aggressive kids. Sub, um, there was some substance use. I'm trying to think of what other cases, so many severe behavior problems, lots of aggressive behaviors directed at siblings and parents. That was one of the most common. So you worked with those families and unlike a traditional therapist, who might see somebody once a week for 50 minutes on the couch in their office, you were literally making house calls, going into their environment, helping support them and implement this program in their environment, which is absolutely incredible and obviously would work quote unquote better. Well, you, go ahead. I, I wanted to say, go ahead. Go ahead. This, is, this is our normal dynamic. I'm just gonna tell you that it was, it was more than once a week it was in their home and it was in multiple locations. So it was really good for me. It trained me to be a really good mom because I went to the school with these families and met with key players in the school, uh, social workers, teachers, principals, and went to court with them and helped advocate for them in the court system. So it was in multi, multi-systemic therapy means you're involving multiple players with the family and helping everybody work together. And then you did such a good job at that, that you were then promoted to train other social workers and how to do what you had done. Talk a little bit about the shift from working directly with the families to then training the social workers themselves. You know, every step has been an incredible step. I, you know that I um, like variety, right? And you know that I don't tend to stay stagnant. I tend to always be um, reaching for the next goal. And it was a really incredible move because instead of helping my significant families, 
for my caseload, I was then helping all the families on all the therapist caseloads in my office. And I really enjoy, I love teaching. I wanted to be a teacher. That was my first desire. So I love teaching social work and I love teaching parenting and I love teaching how to have a better marriage. So it was an incredible shift for me and I wanted to do more. I had more ideas of what I was going to do next at Catholic Charities. And um, then I had Max. <laughs> okay, so you made a transition and increased your ripple effect, which is something we teach at Sharkpreneur all the time, which is it's one thing to be a doer of the thing. You're a social worker, you're a therapist, you're a chiropractor, you're whatever. You see that many patients, customers, or clients. But if you teach others how to do what you did, now your ripple effect is exponentially larger because instead of just helping the 20 or however many families you can help, if you have 10 therapists, you've now 10x the number of people you're actually reaching. Talk a little bit. Uh, you made a transition then to become a full-time stay-at-home mom for quite a few years. What was the difference like to, from teaching families and teaching therapists to then implementing it with your own kids? I was so thankful for the training and the experience because it has helped me be a better mom. And I... I'm not finished counseling families because I was doing that before I was a mother. And I was really, really trying to get into their shoes as best I can, could. I was in the home. So I saw what was going on and I saw how hard it was, but I did not understand the exhaustion. They would, <laughs> right? They would tell me they were exhausted and I would be like, you can do it. I'm your cheerleader. I'm here. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm not going to let you fail. And I would, I was like the pep in their step. But I had the energy to be the pep. I didn't have kids. And now that I have a husband, three kids, a dog, two cats, now I get it. I don't think that I was a bad therapist. I think I was a good therapist. Judging but by your I, statistics and your promotion, you were an awesome therapist. I want to see, I want to see what happens next now that I'm a mother. And I want to help people now that I have the mother role on my belt. And I think that the experience and the training was an incredible, um, incredible thing for me before motherhood. And I loved that I could use everything as a mother, but I will tell you that, so you know this and you unfortunately use this against me. I, I will know in my head what the right answer is whether it's parenthood or marriage, and I don't always do the right thing. So even though my training tells me what I should be doing, I don't always do it. <laughs> okay, so I understand. I'm not trying to use it against you. I'm trying to inspire you to do the right thing. So I've <laughs> well, never- We'll work on how you do that. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I could improve my communication when I'm pointing out that you know what you should be doing and you're not doing it. Fair enough. I'll accept blame for that. So- what, what, let's say you could go back in time to your social worker self. What would you tell her? How would you counsel families and the parents differently now that you are, have been through it for 13 years as a mom? I think that they knew how hard I was trying to get in their shoes. They saw the compassion. I would explain how drained these mothers are more than I could ever have understood and 
dealing with some of these behaviors every day. I mean, you see how exhausted I am from Lily and they, she would not qualify. I'm going to knock on wood. I'll, I'll do the same. <laughs> she wouldn't qualify to be one of my clients. No, she's not breaking any laws yet. Hopefully hey, not ever. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. She's, not, she's, so, not, she's a law-abiding citizen at, at eight. So I would just, if I could talk to myself back then, to try to help myself understand the depth of their exhaustion. And I think that if I have to get supports for this mother, because mothers can't do it by themselves. And I knew it then, but I know it more now. That makes total sense. What advice would you give yourself 13 years ago as a new mother looking back? When you leave the hospital with your baby. You think to yourself, why are they letting me leave with this baby? They haven't given me any lessons. We didn't they get just, an instruction manual. <laughs> I was like, they just expect me to just go home and know what I'm doing with this newborn baby. So thank God for my mother, because that was a lot of phone calls. Um, I would tell myself to relax. That is the theme of me. And I'm telling myself that now today, I would tell myself two things, relax and have confidence in yourself. And the more that I tell myself that I can do something in my head, the calmer I feel. And I'm finding that all of my anxiety through my whole life is a lack of confidence in myself and that I just need to have faith that I can do it. That is great advice. What is your brand ballot, you know, named you in 2018, one of the top 100 mommy bloggers in the country. What inspired you to start blogging? So back when I started, Lily was, I believe, 10 months old. So we had all three of our children when I started blogging. And it was, I wish I had started earlier, but it was all going by so quickly. And I started it out as just documenting my life because I wanted to remember stuff. And then I found that writing became my greatest coping strategy and I would be so stressed out and I would write it out and I would feel so much better. And then I would have mothers tell me that it was helping them. So then I was like, okay, I'm helping me and I'm helping them. I'm going to run with this. What do you like best about blogging? I love getting lost in my laptop, I pick a topic. There's usually a topic that speaks to me every week and I sit down and sometimes it's, you know, several days and sometimes it's just, yeah, it's usually several days. I get lost in the process. Um, my stress melts away and I read it over and so my stress is melting away while I'm writing and then as I read it, Sometimes I find that if I'm really stressed out, I'll read it several times. And every time I read it, the stress is better. So I just love, I just love that it's my favorite coping strategy. And it's constructive and it doesn't cost anything and you don't have to go anywhere. So you can do it from anywhere that, is, that has some wonderful qualities to it. What inspired, how did you then take that process to a physical book? 
So you are a brilliant businessman. You know that. And you actually came to me with the idea. And I said, no. <laughs> I don't know why I felt I, there's some blogs that I feel very vulnerable with. And I feel like I hesitate with some of them. And the more I hesitate, the better the blog and the better response I get, the more vulnerable I am. And my response to putting it all to you, you were, you had a great idea to make it all into a book. And I felt too vulnerable and too open. And I felt uh, very nervous about it. And then I made a shift and I did the shift myself. You may have no mentioned to me that I was gonna help people, but I made the shift and I moved from it being about me to it being about others. And I made, and I made it about helping everyone else and not about my nerves. And then I felt like, this is a great idea, let's do it. Is that in general a good coping strategy, regardless of the topic, to make it about other people, to help you get out of your own head? Yes, if, if I focus on helping people, my own nerves vanish. And in fact, Ella got rid of my stage fright. We've talked about this. Because I've had to, whether it's a vlog or a podcast or, an, you know, so, someone wants to interview me, someone wants me to speak in front of people, you ask me to come speak in front of people, whatever the case may be, I used to get really bad stage fright. And Ella, our daughter, told me, she's, she's 11 and she's an actress, she told me to think about what I'm giving to the people in front of me. And whether it's I'm trying to entertain them and make them smile, or I'm trying to help them, that got rid of my stage fright. Just think about everyone else and don't think about myself. So that tends to help me in general, just in life. Okay. And tell everyone who are folks who probably don't know, tell them what is Whiny Palooza Wednesday? Okay. So every Wednesday, so I pick a topic every week. And I decided Wednesday was going to be my day for the topic to come out. And then we decided, because it sounded so cute, maybe that's why I picked Wednesday. I decided that it was going to be my whiny palooza Wednesday because my business is whiny palooza. So whiny palooza Wednesday means every Wednesday a, a topic comes out, a new topic that's related to family and marriage. And the blog it starts out as a blog. The blog is usually posted in the morning to my whinypalooza.com page and to Facebook. And I do mention on Instagram too, that the new topic is out. And then at night at 9 PM at night, my family goes live and does a vlog, a video blog. And we talk about the topic that I picked for the week. So this is every Wednesday. What do you like differently about discussing it live versus you writing it by yourself? So I love to write. However, I am finding, you know, what is going to help people the best? And that is what I'm always evaluating, which, which topics are getting the best feedback, which method of communicating is getting the best feedback. So I'm always watching to see what people like best and respond to best. What I love 
about the vlog is that so many more people are watching us versus reading my blog. And I love for people to read it. I hope that it's helping. And I, and I think that it is. However, the amount of views of the vlog is showing me that people want to see us more than they want to read us. So I love getting to get my message across in the best way, whatever works for people. I, I like that you are listening to your target market and following what they are telling you. Great business and marketing advice for everybody. What challenges come with doing a weekly live show? Somehow, I think that it became a 9 p.m. thing because that was the best response. We tried different times of night. And I think having a consistent time so that people know when to expect it is great. And somehow we, we did, we evaluated and saw that 9 p.m. was getting the best engagement, which is, you know, a little bit late. Moms are fading. Kids are fading. So it's a little challenging at 9 p.m. And the kids will be excited at like 6 p.m. They're like, oh, it's Whiny Blues a Wednesday. I'm going to come on and I'm going to talk about this. And I'm going to talk about this. And I'm talking about the girls because Max never said that. <laughs> I was going to correct and, you, but you did it yourself. Okay. So that might be at like six, maybe seven. And by eight and nine, we're all fading. So I tend to go fix up my makeup and try to like pump myself up to wake up, like wake up. <laughs> and sometimes it works with the kids and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes the kids are not engaged at nine o'clock at night. So that's the biggest challenge. And how do you, uh, because you get feedback in real time because people comment on what you're talking about in video. So how do you stay focused on what you're trying to communicate while responding to your audience literally live? You, you know that I want to give them what they want. So if, so I want to answer their questions and I want to help them. So if it's, if it's a question that I think is going to help them, of course, I'm going to answer it. I know in my head a few things that I want to get, a, a few points that I want to get across that night, okay? So if my topic is marriage and you and I had a fight that I want to talk about, then I want to make sure that I have my like little list in my head, okay, I want Seth and I to talk about what did we fight about, what did we learn from it, and what do we want to tell people? So I, in my head, know the few things that I want to cover and then everything else is gravy. So if you mention good, good content that I didn't know was going to come up, that's a bonus. If people talking to me are going to ask me stuff that I wasn't going to add, that's a bonus. So I make sure that I cover the few things and then everything else is just extra. You originally didn't write every week. And when you started going live, it wasn't every week as well. It could be easy to be overwhelmed with three kids, three pets, and everything else going on in our very busy lives. How did you overcome, how did you get to the point where you could consistently do it every single week and do both media forms every single week? It's a deadline. And I think my advice to anyone is to give yourself a deadline. So whatever the case may be, whether it's a book or a blog or um painting your house, whatever you want to get done. I know that it's being published on Wednesday. So I 
haven't started Wednesdays. So it's Sunday. So I'm probably going to start something today. And I just know that by Wednesday morning, it's due. Actually, Tuesday night is when I like to submit it. So the deadline works for me. Okay, you have a written blog that comes out every Wednesday. You have a, that is you writing. You have a Facebook live show where I am your humorous sidekick in the kids' moonlight, Wednesday nights. You are now launching a podcast and the podcast is totally different from the blog and the vlog. Talk a little bit about the podcast. Whiny Palooza is about families and about marriage. So I am interviewing other mothers. So far, it's just been mothers. And they are mommy bloggers. They are entrepreneurs. They have um, fabulous businesses. Some of them have podcasts. I am interviewing them, which I am loving. I love getting to know other mothers. And every time I talk to one, I learn something new, which I love learning. So every Friday, um, I don't know when it's starting, maybe this Friday, we're going to let everybody know. Every Friday, it's going to launch Whiny Palooza Family Friday. And every week it's going to be a different mom or parent or parenting expert, marriage expert, mommy blogger. And you're going to hear me talk to them and you're going to learn about them. And hopefully you are also going to learn something along the way like I am. And I'm really enjoying it. That is awesome. What do you like best about what you're doing? In general? Yes. Just everything? Yes. So... My main desired outcome with all of this is that I want mothers to know that they're not alone. And when I read something from another mother or I hear something from another mother and it resonates with me and it is something that I was feeling, if I, if I hear that someone else is going through it, it helps me so much. And to learn how are they dealing with it? What are they doing? who is helping them. That's what I want to do for people. I want them to know that they're not alone and I want to help people. And those are my two favorite things. You have a business that has started from a blog to a vlog, to a new podcast, to books, to people wanting to interview you. You have three very busy children and many activities. How do you balance it all? The biggest way the only way <laughs> to juggle multiple things is to have support. I'm one person. I cannot do everything. I can't be in three places at once, sometimes four or five places at once. I have to ask you to help me. My friends help me. My parents help me. And I tell people in almost every blog to please reach out to your support system because that's the only way that us mothers can do it. How have you adjusted your parenting during the COVID pandemic? It's been challenging. I think that the biggest thing for me is I tell parents to check on your kids, watch your kids. How are they behaving? What do you think they need? It's not, it hasn't been normal life since before March. So I have had, I would say, I have really found a value in activities 
that I hope that they can continue. I value and encourage extracurricular activities more than I did before this, just to get them out of the house and connected with people. And I have used multiple ways to help them stay connected. I think that I have never encouraged my kids to call, my girls especially, Max is gaming. Max, our 13 year old son is on his computer talking to people a lot of the time. And I know he's not alone. So I more watch the girls, Ella and Lily. And Ella will be to herself too much. So I will encourage her to call someone. I will encourage her to invite someone over. I've had to really encourage them to do different things than I ever, I never had to worry about any of this before this. So it's a very different way of parenting for me. How has it affected your and their mental health? So Max and Lily seem okay. Ella, I have to really keep tabs on and make sure she's okay and ask her what she needs and make suggestions. And for me, it's been, it's been hard. September was really hard. I felt like I had emotions all over the place. I was exhausted, cranky. You kept telling me I wasn't myself. It was a very hard adjustment. And for us, it was even harder because our kids were told that they could go to school a couple days a week. And then we're told that they couldn't go to school a couple days a week. So our middle schoolers are doing full remote, which for Max is, has been going well. And for Ella, Ella hates it. So it's been stressful for me. I would say that for my mental health, I have really had to talk to my friends a lot to get through this. And I think that the 50 million text messages that you see every day is what has gotten me through this since March. So using your supports, talking about it, communicating. Yes. Awesome. What else do you wanna share with our audience that I didn't think to ask you? You know, you are really, really good at this and I am learning from you. And you asked me so many good questions. I, I, I don't think you missed anything. I think you, I think you're awesome. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. So what advice would you, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? That's one of my favorite questions that you and I have discussed. I love that question so much. And two women stick out in my mind. And you have seen me grow since you've met me. And you remember the, that I would get overwhelmed. And you still see that sometimes I get overwhelmed, but that I handle it better. And I feel like the older I get, the better I hand, handle it. Back when I was a child and my mother would see me get so like, ah, I'm never going to do all this. She would always say to me, it will get done. One step at a time, you will get everything done. And as basic as that might sound, that advice is in my head every single day and has carried me through like 30 years of feeling overwhelmed. And I always remind myself step by step, I will get it all done. And, you know, the other advice, when I started my internship doing family counseling, one of the supervisors sat me down and was talking to me about reactivity. And she said, you're going to know that you are a phenomenal therapist when you aren't reactive, when you can sit with someone 
and just be responsive and not be having a lot of reactivity in the session. And I took that out of therapy and took that to every facet of my life. So the goal every day is to be calm and not reactive. What advice would you give our entrepreneurs and business owners watching this about um, what they can do to use what you've learned and what you've shared with their customers, clients, and patients? Okay, so <laughs> the Sharkpreneur audience is mostly business owners and entrepreneurs. Yes. We've talked a lot about, we've talked about coping skills, supports, communications. How would you apply that you are a business owner you are a successful entrepreneur. You started with nothing and you've grown it to a, substan a substantially sized business in a very short period of time. How would you apply what you've learned about family and marriage and parenting and communication to a business? I have had the privilege of helping you from the beginning and being a consultant, a home consultant. And I have had the privilege of having you come home and tell me about work stressors. And I have always tried to help. And the same thing that's going on in a family is going on in a business. And you have to make sure everybody is working together and that everybody has clear expectations. Everybody has clear roles. Everybody knows when their deadlines are. It's the same at home with my family as it is in your office with your business family. And I would say to every single person watching and to myself and to you, to have confidence in yourself because the doubts and the fears, it's what brings us down. And if we can talk to ourselves, how we talk to everyone else, we will all be successful. Wow, that's a great place to wrap up. That's a what writer downer right there, folks. This has been Seth Green with Sharkpreneur with my wonderful wife, Rebecca Green. You can get her book, Whiny Palooza, on Amazon. You can read the blog at whinypalooza.com. You can find us find her on Facebook at Whiny Palooza Parenting. And be sure to look for Whiny Palooza Family Fridays on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. Sweetheart, thank you so much. What a great interview. Thank you so much for interviewing me. That was fun. Thanks everybody for watching or listening and we'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text Pitch to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.